welcome, welcome, welcome to the very first ever episode of Spirits and Monsters of Old Seattle. Uh, I am your host and game master, Brian Kershaw. I'm going to be running us through our first ever podcast episode. It is very exciting, and I have no idea how to actually start doing a podcast. I probably should have mentioned that before now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, none Uh, of us do. We were kind of hoping you would lead the charge. Ooh, probably one of us should have known what we're doing, but yeah, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. We'll figure it out. All right. So I'm going to run through and introduce everybody real quick and then talk about what this crazy podcast thing that we're doing is actually going to be about. Uh, Starting with Aaron, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, Maybe I should have written something down so I could sound really cool, but... um... We all think you're cool. I uh, have lived in Seattle for like five years, and I love it. It's my spirit home. Love it a lot. It's a great place. I like D&D and TTRPGs and video games and all that other nerd shit. And I don't know what else. That's it. That's all I got. <laughs> Not a worry. Uh, and next up, we have Phoenix. Hello. I'm <laughs> Phoenix. It's a lovely to be here today, joining all of you wonderful people. Uh, yeah, so uh, I am also from the Seattle area, uh, grown up here since I was about five, and uh, I will be playing uh, Julian in this uh, campaign. Most of my background with tabletop gaming is with uh, Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition, and uh, if you are interested, I am also in an actual play uh, game that's been going on for over a year now, I think. But you can find that on YouTube or Twitch. Uh, just search for Dice Jailers. I play a Polynesian muscle wizard in that campaign. So always a good time. Amazing. He is amazing. You're uh, amazing. Flattery will get you everywhere in this campaign. Uh, and Noted. Phoenix just brought up something great. Aaron, what is the character that you'll be playing today, uh, throughout this I forgot to mention my character, which is an integral part of this game that we're playing because we're playing (laughs) characters. My character is Sophie Ingesdottir. Excellent. Uh, And Quinn. Hi, I'm Quinn. uh, Non-binary. Trying out the, them, viz uh, pronouns, but they, them also works. I'm playing uh, Kaylin Teagan a first-generation Irish immigrant to America, and I am still on the fence if I want to try an Irish accent or not. Perhaps we should have switched backgrounds. The Irish accent is the only one that I have. That's the only one in my... I mean, no, I have I have a lot, but that's the only one that works. So I'm playing somebody who is a Filipino immigrant, and as a... Uh, person of Filipino heritage myself, this is a Filipino accent, so you're just going to have to deal with this. <laughs> so what you're saying is everything you say is in character. Absolutely. I'm a mutt. I have no idea who my ancestors are. <laughs> or what accent you're using. That's true. Probably all of them. Yeah. Yeah, call it transatlantic. Uh, And as mentioned, my name is Brian Kershaw. Uh, I have been playing role-playing games for a very, very comedically long time, starting way back when in 2nd edition D&D, and playing a little bit of everything in between since. 
Uh, and my latest gaming obsession is Vossen, which is super convenient because that's what we're going to be playing today. <laughs> Funny Wait, how that what? worked out. Crap. <laughs> Phoenix, I'm sorry. Your sorcerer cannot work in this system. Oh, there goes my whole campaign. <laughs> I'm on the wrong plane. Uh, so Vossen is a role-playing game from the company Free League. Uh, it uses their Year Zero engine and is about supernatural folk horror. The game typically takes place in 19th century Sweden and will feature things like creatures out of folklore and mythology, like trolls and Vatir and the mare and the neck, which are all very, very steeped in Swedish culture and history. The player characters are typically members of an organization who are able to see these creatures and have the second sight and need to help navigate the supernatural all while keeping people safe. Of course, uh, we are going to be throwing a little curve into the typical Vossen campaign, and we are going to be having it take place not in the 1900s in Sweden, or pardon me, the 1800s in Sweden, but instead in 19th century Seattle. This is going to be a setting that we're kind of building out as we go through. Uh, like all good historical fiction, it will have some things that definitely did not happen, including maybe some supernatural creatures. It will have different components. It could happen. It was, I was there. I checked. <laughs> it's, uh, I believe it because Brian is old. <laughs> wow. Ouch. No. Shots fired. Making a note on which character doesn't make it through the prologue. <laughs> uh, so we will be tinkering around with some history, keeping some things very accurate, keeping some things very different, uh, introducing some events that never took place or some things that took place later on or earlier on, but fit our time period instead. All right. And without further ado, We've got a little bit of opening introduction. This is a story about history. History isn't about facts or dates or what happened in a heavy old book. History is about memory. It is about how a place remembers itself. And so all histories are true, even if they don't contain facts. This is the history of two towns in the far-flung corner of the United States at the turn of a century. It's also a history of monsters, and ghosts, and spirits, and gods. But mostly, it's a history of the people this place remembers. Names can change, and some of the details may not be the same as what you'd find in a textbook. But that's because this is the true story of Seattle and Ballard in the year 1888 and the Vossen that lurk just on the edges. Seattle has grown and sprawled from the few little cabins clinging to the edge of Alki Point in the early 1850s. Men and women have been drawn to the fortunes created by the seemingly endless supply of old growth timber pulled from the Pacific Northwest and countless multi-story wooden buildings lined the roads, 
popping up like mushrooms and ferns under the constant gray skies. Across the waters of Salmon Bay are the beginning of the little town of Ballard. Far smaller than its prosperous neighbor, Ballard is made up of working-class fishermen and dock workers, mostly of Norwegian and Scandinavian ancestry. The little town hides secrets in its shadows and under the eaves of its many shingled roofs. Meanwhile, in Seattle's shadows, someone begins to toss and stir from a fitful sleep, slowly coming back to consciousness from a deep and dreamless slumber. Quim, tell us a little bit about Kalen. How do they look, and where did they wake up last night? Uh, you mean where did they go to sleep last night? Yes. <laughs> Accurate. Uh, so Kalen is a young man, uh, about 23, and he is a vagabond. Uh, he, uh, how much should I get into the backstory? For right now, just description and where did they sleep last night? Okay, yeah. Uh, he's in a uh, battered, dirty suit uh, with a uh, floppy cap. He is uh, pretty darn handsome, uh, but it's kind of hard to tell under all this gruff. And he went to sleep in one of his uh, local or one of his usual sleeping spots in a partially sunken uh, in a building on a partially sunken dock uh, south of the what's the river called Brian uh that i believe is south of lake union yeah south of lake union uh which is uh just south of ballard yeah uh yeah cool uh so ballard has salmon bay that separates it and seattle and then the large lake that's past that would be lake union ah okay i got gotcha. you uh, Kalen kind of stretches out, uh, works some of the kinks from his back. Uh, there's a few other folks who are sleeping in and around this kind of old rundown dock house. Uh, it's a little creaky. It occasionally shifts in a way that doesn't sound quite stable. But for the most part, it's been a reliable place to sleep when he's living a bit rough. Which is always. Which is always. Uh, you also know that you need to head into Ballard today. Uh, however, there's someone you need to pick up on your way. You need to head over to the, let's say, interesting side of town, uh, as you have to go and meet with Julian before you head over into Ballard itself. Cool. I do that. Uh, you set out from the old dock house. Uh, there's a couple other folks who are starting to wake up and kind of see you off on your way. Uh, the city is just beginning to wake up in most areas. Uh, you see people are beginning to get pots of water going. Smoke is beginning to rise up from chimneys. People are starting to stir and move around. Uh, you see that occasionally horses are beginning to trod up and down the streets, which are not actually cobblestone or even any kind of stone. They are just made from wood shavings uh, and sawdust. You make your way through the various alleys and streets, heading can down... I, yep. 
I just want to mention that uh, Kaylin is a fairly cheerful person, even mm-hmm. in the roughest of times. That's something uh, he inherited from his father. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's just like the classic uh, happy hobo. He's got like the bindle on a stick, uh, and he's just like whistling and you know uh, walking, you know, enjoying the, <laughs> uh, the early morning the... hours. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, there's just a little bit of sun on the horizon, uh, and it's one of the few spring days that isn't gray and drizzly yet. Uh, you make your way through some of these winding alleys and streets, kind of whistling to yourself, and head down past what's known as the deadline. This is a somewhat arbitrary decision that the city keeps making between where the respectable half of Seattle is and where the fun half of Seattle is. (laughs) Beyond the deadline is where all of the brothels are, all of the gambling houses, all of the box theaters. It's basically the bars and fun part of town where all of the churches, the nice houses, all of that is on the other side of the deadline. Kalen makes his way to one of the more recent additions in Seattle. A very large and very glamorously made house uh, with beautiful white paint and bright pink shutters on the front. It is a very, very nicely appointed thing that Kalen's just able to see a little bit of through the frosted glass windows. And you have heard the reputation of this particular house of ill repute. Uh, as it is the home of Seattle's most influential madam, Madame Malou Graham. Uh, and one of her employees is just wrapping up for the evening. Uh, Phoenix. Julian has been playing some music to entertain guests into the small hours of the morning. As things had wound down around three or four, was able to catch a quick cat nap uh, and knows that he needs to head over to Ballard to meet with some individuals later today. Uh, Can you give us a little bit of a description of Julian and also let us know what song was he playing on his fiddle last night? Uh, Yeah, so Julian is a relatively young man. He's about 21 years old. as I mentioned, uh, he is of Filipino heritage, so a little bit darker skin, dark hair, um, kind of trimmed up on the sides. Uh, the top is uh, a little longer and not quite a tight curl, but a relaxed wave that he takes a lot of care to uh, make sure it's looking good. Um, he is dressed to the nines. Uh, he is wearing a white shirt that is gleaming. Uh, along with a uh, kind of brown vest with some gold embellishments on it and a blue uh, halfway between a scarf and a tie uh, around his neck, uh, just looking dapper as all hell. He definitely is uh, one of the individuals there uh, who mostly provides entertainment in a variety of ways, but uh, is known for his work on the uh, fiddle and piano. And uh, last night, he was uh, giving a rousing rendition of Johnny Get Your Gun, much to the delight of the patrons. 
as you are making your way out of the front of the parlor room, there are a couple of the young ladies who are working there uh, who are just about ready to call it a day uh, and raise little glasses of whiskey or schnapps to you as you're on your way out. Uh, he nods and tips a non-existent cap towards them. <laughs> ladies, always a pleasure. Uh, they are humming the song Johnny Get Your Gun as you're on your way out the door. And I'll have just to tide out... you over till I get back next. <laughs> uh, just outside, you spot Kalen, uh, a colleague of yours, uh, happily whistling away. Oh, is that my cue? That could be. <laughs> okay. I'm going to try. Are you guys ready? Go for it. We are braced as can be. Yep. Oh, hi there, Julian. It's what a wonderful day to wait. Fuck! <laughs> I, for, I was focusing on my accent. I forgot to think of words. <laughs> this is why we podcast. use Filipino accent. That's right. That's why we use the Filipino accent. <laughs> Maybe I should use my Filipino accent too. No, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, go. I'm gonna give it a go. Hey, Julian. We believe in you. Uh, it's a beautiful day. It's nice to meet. Nice to see you this morning. God, that was rough. <laughs> all right uh julian a big smile towards you pulls a uh little handkerchief uh it's clean uh out of a pocket in the vest and kind of just smears it up against uh, like underneath your eyes ah yes you look looking like you're having a good day pardon you've got just a little bit of let me let me just let me get that for you there oh yeah Oh, yeah, well, thank um, you so much. You know, there's, there's, it's a good start. Wonderful to see you. Oh, likewise. Uh, shall we be going? Yes, absolutely. And I will hum in harmony to whatever tune if I notice it, if I recognize it. Oh, it's, it's not a tune. It is decidedly tuneless. <laughs> okay. I take it and run with it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what it lacks in practicality, it makes up for an enthusiasm, though. There we go. There we go. All right. So you make your way up north uh, and on the edges of Salmon Bay, there are little docks that have been set up everywhere. And you are able to get on one of the first little steamships that is going across to Ballard. Uh, There are, unfortunately, no bridges between the two towns at this time. Now, one could take the very long way around all of the different lakes, but that's going to be almost a day's journey. Thankfully, folks in Seattle are inventive when it comes to opportunities to make some quick cash. So they have what's known as the Mosquito Fleet, a bunch of little tiny steamships that are operating most hours of the day popping back and forth between the communities on the north sides of the water and the south side. So you are able to get quick uh, access to the Serendipity, which is going to be sailing north to Ballard this morning. Oh, I'm so sorry. It seems uh, I don't have my wallet on me. Julian, would you mind uh, taking care of this one for me? Did you even need to ask like I would ever expect yes i've got this taken care of <laughs> uh julian you cannot remember the last time Kalen actually 
had gotten tickets on the steamship. <laughs> the, the last time that Kalen quote unquote had his wallet on him. Also fair. <laughs> <laughs> and Jul- Julian knows this and, and yeah, is, is very much, uh, it's a little bit of friendly ribbing, but at the same time, it's, it is very, very well meaning and just with a big smile on his face. This is, this is a game we have played before. The pair of you board the serendipity and make your way towards Seattle or pardon me from Seattle up towards Ballard. What are you doing on this little steamship? Uh, there is a little cabin. Uh, there's pretty much nobody other than the captain. Uh, so you've gotten over early enough that no other traffic is coming with you. So it's just the pair of you. There's a few seats along the side. There's a spot in the bow that has a railing that you could hang out on. Uh, up to the railing sounds good. Yeah, yeah, same. Never get tired of it. <laughs> so, Julian, uh, how, how was the playing last night? How are the ladies? Uh, the playing was was fantastic. It's always a good night at Madame Lou's. Uh, the ladies, they're working, but we 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 do our best to to give everyone a good time in one way or another. Oh, excellent. how were things on your side of 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 town? Oh, you know, the same old, same old. Uh, just wandered around, uh, managed to uh, get some dinner, and uh, then retired. Sounds like a good night. Yeah. Uh, I like to... Uh, I'm, a, I'm a man of simple pleasures. <laughs> yes. As am I. Uh, it is a nice, kind of easygoing day in the water. The sun is just starting to peak up. Uh, and surprisingly, given that we're in the spring in Seattle, there is not a gray cloud in the sky today. Uh, so the day is starting to warm up a little bit. It's almost getting to comfortable temperatures. And this is how we know this is supernatural Seattle. (laughs) No gray clouds in spring? What? It is certainly something of an oddity. (laughs) Uh, You have just a nice kind of leisurely trip across Salmon Bay. uh, And the little uh, steamship touches down at the docks. Uh, You are ready to depart and start making your way uptown. Shall we depart? Oh, I think we shall. I think I'm going to stop the accent. It's distracting me. I'm not able to do two (laughs) things at once. (laughs) So you're getting the Filipino accent on this one. Mm -hmm. Uh, If it's any small consolation, Quinn, all of my accents eventually, sort of like they're spiraling a drain, come out as bad Sean Connery. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, yep. All right. As the two of you are making your way uptown, uh, you also spot a familiar face. Uh, somewhat distractedly taking a look at the latest book in her hands is your other colleague, Sophie. Aaron, would you give us a description of Sophie and tell us what 
book she is currently carrying? Um, Sophie is uh, tall. Um, she's a little bit older. She's in her late 30s, maybe early 40s. Um, dark hair, very kind of uh, not stately looking, but she's like a handsome lady. But she's not uh, overly, really made up or or fancy looking or anything like that. Her clothes are uh, more serviceable, um, and she almost looks kind of serious. Um, and uh, she's got uh, dark hair in a bun, and she's wearing um, fairly typical Victorian era, uh, but not none of the like extra, you know, like frills or bustles or any of that she's just I was gonna say no ridiculous bustle no bustle no bustle uh kind of the antithesis of the ladies that uh phoenix or sorry julian probably just took his leave of so um and she has in her hand a hot off the presses copy of the i just forgot the name of it um <laughs> that's an hold interesting on, name I have it. Oh, I'll, I'll pad for time a little bit. Uh, I'm really happy that all three of us decided that our characters were handsome. <laughs> oh, yeah, good point. Uh, I, I said dashing, as I recall. Hmm? Okay. Oh. Two handsome, one dashing. Fair <laughs> yeah. enough. Cool, cool. A study in Scarlet, which, uh, as we now know, was the first Sherlock Holmes novel by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. It has not been printed in the U.S. yet, uh, but because of, um, you know, just friends that she's made and so on and so forth and her, possibly her connection to the library, she um, was able to get uh, the uh, version printed in England. So she is kind of, um, she's kind of like wanting to read it, but she knows she has other things to do, but she's sort of picking <laughs> at it as she's walking down the street. I've been there. Nice yeah, choice, yeah, by the way. <laughs> Do what? Nice choice, by the way, for a book. Oh, yeah, thanks. Okay, so yeah, basically, uh, once you guys see her, she's like tr pretending that she's paying attention to where she's going. She's really not. She's like, you know, scanning and like looking up. And so eventually she'll look up and see you guys. And, oh, hello, boys. Uh, oh, oh, it's not raining. Huh, curious. Oh, I'll have wait, to tell wait. you about this book later. I cannot read it right now, but, um, you know. And then she just goes back to reading it. <laughs> oh, what a wonderful morning it is to see you here, Sophie. Uh, and uh, Kaylin, like, takes off his cap and does, like, a theatrical bow. Uh, she just waits until you stand back up, and then she puts her one hand, like, on your arm and, and keeps walking so, so that she doesn't have to pay attention to where we're going and she can look at the <laughs> Kaylin is your seeing eye vagabond. Yes. Hell yeah. I'm into it. Julian greets you with a, a, a kiss on each cheek. Oh. Ma'am. Always so polite. Very interesting. It's just common courtesy. Uh, together, the three of you make your way through Ballard. It is a bustling little fishing town so there is already quite a bit of activity and a number of fishing boats that are already out on the water uh, at this time it is also known and this is 100 true as the shingle making capital of the united states i'm glad you brought that back up 
Mm -hmm. uh, earlier, you said the many shingled houses, and I want to know if the houses have many shingles each, or if there's many of the houses that each have shingles. Oh, most all, most every single house you see has shingles. Nice. Cool. In fact, somewhere, Ballard is known as Shingle Town. Where? Places. Don't worry about it. <laughs> okay. Uh, your group kind of makes your way down Market Street, uh, passing the bars that are not yet open, the churches that are just starting to open, uh, the little businesses on either side of the sawdust road. You also pass a very familiar graveyard uh, where you have had some past experiences. Uh, and the three of you get just a very brief shiver as you pass this one. Uh, it is a graveyard that you have had some interesting reports of. What reports uh, are those? Yeah, like what? <laughs> uh, strange sounds in the night. The occasional person who reports seeing someone standing just outside of the graveyard fences, but who's not there a moment later. It's something that you haven't had any time to investigate just yet, but might be how, on your radar at some point. How close is this to Sophie's house? Uh, it's probably about a 10-15 minute walk from Sophie's house. Okay. Continuing further on, you take a path leading further north. Uh, and from here, things are a lot less developed. Uh, there are a lot more in the way of small stands of trees. And away from the bustle of Market Street, the little town of Ballard becomes much quieter. There's small stands of trees that aren't yet processed into dock pylons or shingles. And down a small dirt path stands a large copse of trees that surround a building. A number of the dock workers have eyed this area hungrily, wanting to turn these into ship masts or dock pylons and make some quick cash. But the owners of this property have never had any interest in selling. These trees hide a spacious manor house, opulent and imperial. It feels... Oh my gosh. Don't judge me. It feels <laughs> old. And the local folks can't quite recall when it was built. Most seem to think that it's always been there despite the official founding of the town only happening about 30 years ago. A cobblestone path leads up to the rumor-shadowed manor. Heavy lead-and-glass windows dot the front of the house, providing blurry vision of what's beyond. From the rooftop, leering gargoyles grin down, seeming to almost sprout from the eaves of the building. The door is made of heavy ash wood, and above the iron door knocker is a simple stone plaque with words in Norwegian. Etched into it, it reads, Frikt vicar for kunsat, kunsat vicar for wisdom, 
Wisdom Vicar for Sandhet. Which the three of you know, being members of this organization, means fear gives way to knowledge, knowledge gives way to wisdom, wisdom gives way to truth. To you, and those in the know, this marks the entrance to a building and an organization called the Library of Metaphysical Knowledge in Defense of Mankind. Or, much more commonly, simply the library. That was very cool. Can I circle back around to when you did a very good job with that uh, plaque? How many times did you have to practice that? Uh, that is the first time I have read that aloud. Are you kidding me? That part's Brian, definitely staying in the podcast. Brian speaks a little Norwegian. <laughs> Yay, Duolingo. Yay, Duolingo. This podcast not sponsored by Duolingo. <laughs> <laughs> the three of you are members of the library. This building and the organization who is within, uh, inside is interesting. There are a number of agents who work in and out of the library, working to the benefit and protection of the peoples of Ballard and the wider area. They work to protect them from the supernatural, creatures who are invisible to most and called Vasen. Vasen are supernatural creatures out of folklore and myth. And the three of you, have the second sight, the ability to see Vasen as they truly are, even when they don't wish to be seen. Oh, it's always so much quieter back here. Thank goodness. Is the library equipped with the kitchen? Absolutely, yes. Well, uh, in that case, ah, well, it's still pretty early. Have you all had breakfast yet? I'm I'm just going to go cook up some things, get us started the right way. Uh, my daddy always said that breakfast is the most important meal of the day. I'll be cooking up some things. That sounds delightful. Thank you, Julian. May I? Uh, cheers you... to that. Oh, sorry, what was that, Quinn? I was just going to say cheers to that and take a swig from his bottle. Uh, <laughs> but now that I'm saying that, I'm wondering if that's an offensive Irish stereotype. I promise it's because he's a vagabond, not because he's Irish. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's another thing to cut. <laughs> nope, that's first words of the podcast. <laughs> oh, God damn it. morning to you. Takes a swig from his bottle. <laughs> <laughs> then immediately followed by, I swear I'm not being offensive. <laughs> well, no, I, I, I might be being offensive. I swear I wasn't trying to be. I have a lot of friends who are Irish. I can't possibly be. <laughs> <laughs> the story of how our podcast got canceled day one. <laughs> uh, as you open up the door to the library, uh, a young man is on the other side. Uh, he is, like everyone in the podcast, handsome. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, he has a tightly have... angular face. Oh, yeah, Quinn. No, no, no. We have one character who's dashing, not handsome. Oh, that's fair. What is this Gossip Girl 1880s Seattle edition? <laughs> that was actually the other name for the podcast that we almost went with, was Gossip uh, Girl 1888. We were so fun. close. Yeah, that's true. I was there. Uh, 
The young man has a handsome face, uh, very angular with pronounced cheekbones. Uh, he has a few freckles and never lets a single sign of stubble anywhere on his cheeks and lips. Uh, he is dressed in a very nice, very stately suit with a small bow tie. He has a tightly clinched black waistcoat and silver buttons. Uh, and his hair is slicked back with pomade. Oh, oh, you're, you're here so early. Oh, good, good morning. Good morning, Mr. Master Julian. I, I can get your coat for you if you'd like. Oh, very kind of you. Thank you. Thank you. Of, of course, of course. Uh, please let, let me know if there's anything I could do for you. I'm uh, just this... heading to the kitchen, fixing us up some breakfast. Um, I'm all, I'm all set. Thank you. Oh, like I, I can, uh, go. Oh, I know what I could do. I could start getting some coffee ready. Of course, yes, yes. Uh, and the young butler, uh, named Jeremy Hobbs, quickly rushes off to go prepare some coffee for you. He has run off with your coat, having carried it with him as he dashed <laughs> off into <laughs> the library. He'll probably remember he has that in the next 20 to 30 minutes and then probably will hang it up for you classic uh, jeremy but there have been a non-zero number of times you found it in just various rooms <laughs> <laughs> i turned to the to the group remember don't give jeremy anything you'd actually want to get back he's not getting my book that's for sure exactly you begin following after him, headed toward the kitchens. And the layout of this house is strange. You can never quite get from one side to the other in an easy and efficient way. Rooms interlink in strange ways. Uh, you sometimes need to actually head up to the second floor to quickly get down to somewhere on the first floor. Uh, needing to go up and take a hallway to go down another level to get to a different room that simply doesn't have any hallways that connect to it. It's a strange place, and you often wonder who would have built this building this way. Quinn, there have been a few times that Kalen has slept here, and it's an unsettling experience. While there are a number of agents of the library, and there are quite a few bedrooms for them to bunk in. Very, very few stay here. When sleeping in this place, you've always had strange dreams. And you also always vaguely get the sense that something is watching you. There's something that you can't quite see just out of the corner of your vision. Yeah, this is a uh, sleeping spot of last resort for Kaylin. <laughs> Do we know, um, you have mentioned that there is possibility of um, discourse with uh, Vossen. Do we know, are there any Vossen that, like, are here? Like, that that have sort of, you know, that we've, not we personally, but the library has befriended or anything like that? Like a, like a mascot. That would be so cute. Not at this time. Perhaps uh, you are maybe not a... in the nearby community of Monroe. <laughs> uh, at this time, you are not aware of any Vossen who are in the library or who have been kind of allied with the library. Okay. 
We'll need so to that fix may that. Be something that we find out later in the season. <laughs> Foreshadowing. Now, interestingly, to get to the kitchens, you need to take a slightly winding path through the library. And you need to go through the actual library itself at the center of the building. Heading through the door, this is a very, very large, spacious room, perhaps the single biggest in the building itself. It is at least 10 to 11 feet tall and has no windows. Instead, all of the light in this room comes from a central chandelier that has dozens of candles that are perpetually lit on it. All of the walls are made of floor-to-ceiling bookshelves. And it contains all of the gathered knowledge about the supernatural that the library has been able to obtain. That said, what it lacks is any seeming system of organization. Oh, dear Lord. There are books that are on completely different topics, scattered all over the place. And the only person who can make sense of it all is the old librarian named Agda. Uh, she uses a wheelchair, uh, moving about the room and organizing the books to her taste. She assures you she knows precisely where every single one of them is. Uh, her mind sometimes tends to wander, and she may not always know exactly what's going on, but she knows the placement of every single book located in this library. Priorities. On the few <laughs> occasions when anyone has tried to apply any organizational system other than hers, they have been continuously berated until they gave up the effort. I thought you were going to say they disappeared. <laughs> uh, not as far as you are aware. That'd be Although, way more metal, I'm just saying. <laughs> uh, she also strikes you as the type of woman who will not tolerate that kind of nonsense. Uh, one of her eyes has gone completely white, uh, but the other is still very sharp uh, and is very dark. Uh, she also is constantly accompanied by a Norwegian elk hound named Thor. Norwegian elk hound? Mm-hmm. It is a big old boy. Uh, it is a gigantic dog who looks somewhere between a husky and a wolf. Uh, and in Norway, was used for hunting elk. That has to be a big-ass dog. Yerp. Oh, it's a good boy. Uh, it is at least four and a half feet at the shoulder. The dog has a kind of pillowy bed that's set up off to the right-hand side of the room. Uh, and as the group of you walk in, you start to hear as its tail is happily hitting the books behind it. Outstanding. Uh, and what's his name? Thorn. 
thorn. A thorn, like what you would find on roses. Yeah, that's what I said. <laughs> I'm guessing the N didn't come through. <laughs> that's a good name. Um, please remind me, what was the butler's name? Jeremy what? Jeremy Hobbs. Hobbs. Seeing Thorn perk up as we walk in, uh, I will make my way to the good boy and just lean down and, and give him some scritches behind the ears. Uh, I probably don't have to lean down very far uh, no. for this. <laughs> uh, and as you start doing so, that back foot just suddenly starts going. Uh, and it's a heavy thrumming sound when it starts hitting the ground as he's like doing the happy dog leg dance. Uh, I, boom, 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 boom. I start singing a little bit, uh, just kind of quietly, uh, just in time with his tail thump. And as he speeds up, as he gets more and more excited, Thorin, we've gone over this. You need to keep better time for me if we're going to be doing this. <laughs> but I continue uh, to give him the scratches. I'll wander over, or Sophie will wander over and hear that. And perhaps it is you who needs to keep better time with him, Julian. Uh, now, Agda I'm makes sure her way over towards you. Books on musical theory. Everyone knows the drummer sets the time. Exactly. Are you breaking my dog? If by breaking you mean giving the good boy that he is some well-deserved pets. I hope that's not a problem, Magda. Uh, his head at this point is turned like two thirds of the way over, just trying to like find just the right spot. <laughs> uh, no, Agna, of course. Uh, I have come to bring him his little piece of cheese as usual, and she'll reach in her pocket and get out a little hunk of cheese that she... Um, uh, Sophie makes cheese now. I don't know. And, uh, she just carries <laughs> cheese in her pockets. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, honestly, and, um, she'll give it to him and then she'll walk over to Agna and take out a wrapped piece of cheese and like a little, like a little wedge of cheese. And, and I've of course brought you some as well. Eh? What's this then? It's, it's cheese, Agna. Remember, uh, I've, I've brought you, you really like the cheese that I bring you. This is the same cheese again. It's, it's all right. It's delicious. You just try it. She kind of wrinkles her nose over it. Takes a tentative little bite out of a little corner of it. Oh, this is pretty good. Thank you. I'll have to remember to ask you about this. I'm sure you won't, but that's all right. Uh, Kalen is a big uh, fan of Thorn, uh, but he's also uh, kind of uh, he's chill with animals. Uh, he lets them uh, come to him. And then also he is trying to hide from uh, Agda. And uh, why is he trying to hide from Agda? Uh, she thinks he's disreputable. Excellent. Excellent. Uh then I think, Quinn, it's time for the first roll of the game. Oh, nice. Uh, could I get a stealth check from you? Sure. Should I just go for it? Or do you want to like talk a bit about how it works first? Uh, so for our listeners at home, the way that stealth will work in Vossen and any of our skills 
is there going to be a combination of an attribute and a skill? Our players have already got these all figured out, and the character will roll, or pardon me, the player will roll a number of d6s. Anything that comes up with a six is going to be a success. Uh, in case anyone is new to TTRPGs, uh, d6s are six-sided dice, the normal ones. <laughs> you know, the normal dice. Yep. <laughs> all right, so here goes stealth. Go so for, for stealth, that is stealth plus precision. Mm-hmm. And I got three successes on six dice. Dang. All right. You are quite confident. Uh, Kalen quickly makes his way kind of onto what he knows is Agda's blind side. Uh, <laughs> and he is able just to kind of hide as she moves her chair around the room, as she's talking to Julian. And taking the cheese from uh, Sophie. Okay, I was going to ask if I could give him a bonus, but I see he already rolled and blasted it, so cool. Uh, <laughs> v. V already rolled. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. God. Okay. Uh, so you are well, quite certain that you were hidden. Like I said, it's not a big deal, but I'm trying to rep the non-binaries. I know, but y y yes, absolutely. But I was actually thinking of your character, and then it's ah. not your character that rolls. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. No, Aaron, I did the same thing earlier when I'm like, when the players roll dice, and I'm like, or no, pardon, when the characters roll a check, I'm like, wait, right. the characters aren't real I, people. I'm like, Kalen rolled. No, Kalen does not carry dice around, and he rolls whenever he wants to do sneaky shit. Well, he might. Yes. I mean, I guess he could, yeah. I want special magical dice that uh, give a bonus to stealth check when he rolls them. <laughs> that's a, yeah, that's that's the new memento. The curse is that they clack really, really loudly sometimes, <laughs> but only but only on crit fails. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. So I love the idea that Kalen's like, uh, he's he's like one one of those like superheroes that isn't technically invisible. They just know how to stand in your blind spot. Which, admittedly, when one of her eyes doesn't work, is a larger blind spot. Yeah, he's he's working up to people with two functional eyes. Mm -hmm. He's practicing with her. <laughs> Stealth training wheels. That's Agna. <laughs> uh, you see that there are a number of desks throughout the room as well, uh, which have various books piled upon them. Uh, some of them you've used very recently while investigating the Vasim. One eternity later. All right. When we left off, before describing a terrifying food that will warrant a fear check, <laughs> uh, the three of you were in the library. Uh, there are floor-to-ceiling bookshelves. There are little desks and tables and nooks for reading all of these different books. Uh, there is a massive... Norwegian elk hound who is enthusiastically leaning into scritches and starting to knock Julian over. Uh, and there is a Kaelin lurking and hiding in old Agda's blind spot. <laughs> uh, as the old woman kind of ponders, chewing on that crust of cheese, she looks over at you for a minute. You know... I think there was someone who was waiting for you over in the kitchens. Oh. What luck, that is where we were headed. 
Ah, good, good. Uh, who was this person, Agna? I was someone. Did they happen to mention what they were interested in discussing with us? Oh, yes, definitely. And that was, my dear lady? Was what? <laughs> I think we should just go to the kitchen. Yeah, I, I leaned down again to Thorin. Take good care of her, my friend. And, and you just will... immediately get dog kisses on the face. Oh, <laughs> puppers. I feign disgust and love it. <laughs> Thorn can tell. All right. You are able to navigate away from the library uh, and find not one, but two people in the kitchens. Uh, Jeremy is there. Uh Noticing that he's still carrying Julian's coat. Uh, we know where it is. Yep. And the leader of the library is there. Uh, he is an older gentleman named Matthias Knutsen. Uh, he is probably in his mid-60s uh, and has very broad white mustaches that stick out just a bit from his cheeks. Uh, oh, and has nice. very thick white mutton chops. Uh, he has wire rim spectacles uh, that he always has on, and he has a very frequent smile. Uh, he always looks very happy to see you all. Uh, and his eyes have a little bit of a twinkle, like he's sharing a private joke. I don't trust him. That said, he also has several long scars that run up his cheek, past his ear, and into his hairline. Uh, he dresses in well-tailored suits, uh, although he typically skips wearing a tie. Ah, just just who I was waiting to speak to. Uh, come, uh, Jeremy and I, we're just getting some coffee and some breakfast ready for you. Oh, thank you so much, Master, uh, Master Knudsen. Ah, so, tell me, how have you all been? I... I feel like I have not spoken with you in a few days now. Well, I've been quite well, thank you. And he kind of smiles at that. Uh, may I pour you some coffee, Kayla? Oh, yes, please. Uh, and the old man uh, kind of very carefully uh, gets the hot coffee pot and gets a very nice little teacup for you uh, and gets that over for you. Uh, you smell some fresh-baked cinnamon rolls that were just being baked uh, that have just freshly come out of the oven. Nice. Is this your work, Master Knudsen? Hmm? Uh, it is a, a hobby, maybe a bit of a strong word, but it is one of the things that I like to bring back from Sweden. Please, please help yourselves. Oh, this is fantastic. Thanks so much. Don't mind if I do. And he does the little finger raggle thing as he selects one. <laughs> so, I am mm, glad to mm, see you all. This is really good. And he kind of just smiles happily at that. I'm glad to see you all today. We actually have someone here who's going to want to speak to you all. We have an investigation that needs to be done. 
are we finally going to check on this these sightings at the cemetery that's a little bit close to my house you know i would like to check it out at some point but it's not maybe so important that is not what today's business is but that may be something that we need to look into no today we have need of helping a young man who claims that he may be haunted or perhaps cursed he's a bit of an excitable sort and has told me both in the time that he's been here now i'm going to step into the back office get him settled and then in just a few minutes i would love it if you all could join us uh master knudsen before you go um may i ask do we know and Julian is uh, kind of rolled his his shoulders a little bit, looks a little bit uncomfortable. Uh, do we know um, any ideas to what exactly is is haunting him? Well, that is the strange part of it. He seems to think there is an ill fortune following him, or at least the other sailors he's working with do. Now, sailors are. A notoriously suspicious type, so I don't want to go jumping at shadows, but... Do you mean superstitious? Is that what I said? You said suspicious. Ah, suspiciously superstitious. (laughs) Fair enough. Now, as I mentioned, I don't want to go jumping at shadows, but... I've got a hunch there might be something to this. Very well, I will trust your judgment. It's never led us astray before. And hopefully never shall. Kaylin is absolutely right. These are magnificent. And Julian has piled more cinnamon rolls on his plate than somebody of his stature and build looks like they need. Uh, He is not particularly tall and and pretty slight as far as a build goes but he is he has piled these cinnamon rolls onto his plate and is just devouring them i thought you meant social stature like he was too rich to like cinnamon rolls (laughs) (laughs) no this isn't uh what's his head (laughs) totally different character klaus the the day that i give up cinnamon rolls because of some Um, concept like Class, <laughs> Kaylin, by all means, slap me. Uh, Sophie being uh, older than them, and w- I, would she, how do you think she would refer to, uh, would she call him Matthias, or would she still call him, like, uh, Mr. Knutson, um, or... I think probably calling him Matthias. Like um, he is not a person who necessarily okay. pushes for much in the way of formality. Affable is even the word mm-hmm. I would use. He seems pretty friendly. So. For some reason, I feel like the word affable is visible on some screen in front of you, perhaps attached to a character sheet. What? What? Never. I'm making all of this up off the dome. <laughs> Knowing that that is Matthias's uh, kind of demeanor, mm-hmm. uh, Julian is even more making sure that he always refers to him as Master Knutson. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he always has kind of a sly chuckle every time you do. 
Now, I'm going to just go and get that young man settled. Ah, and one last thing. Uh, he picks up one la- uh, one of the last cinnamon rolls and plunks it onto Julian's plate. Now, that's squared away. Uh, give me just a few moments to talk to him, and then feel free to come in and I'll introduce you. Julian just gives him a, a very friendly and, and, and happy just a squeeze on the hand. Not a handshake, just kind of squeezes him. Mm-hmm. You're always taking care of us. Uh, he kind of chuckles at that and leaves with a spring in his step, uh, heading into his office, which is a hallway over. Uh, anything the three of you want to talk about or do while you're in the kitchen? Uh, yeah, I just rolled another stealth check. One success on six dice. I want to steal one of Julian's cinnamon rolls. <clears throat> now, that is going to be an opposed test. Uh, <laughs> Julian, would you like to make a vigilance test to stop this cinnamon roll theft? Uh, I'd rather use other stats, but if that's what I need to use, then sure. Okay. (laughs) Uh, So for anything that's kind of perception-based, it would be vigilance. Yeah, no, zero successes on three dice. (laughs) Booyah! All right. uh, We've reached our first player versus player conflict in session one. (laughs) The fight over the cinnamon roll. Yeah, I, I don't notice you taking it, but when I see you chewing on it, I stab you with my... No. <laughs> the game took a dodge. dark turn. <laughs> Sophie is just disregarding them, and she has gone to the coffee pot, and she has just, as uh, Julian was eating his cinnamon <laughs> nice. rolls, Sophie has... And we've immediately established exactly who each character is in one quick kitchen-based scene. <laughs> Julian with a plate of rolls, uh, Caleb with one stolen and shoved immediately in his mouth, and then two black coffees just knocked out like they're nothing. Yeah. Uh, Kaylin, uh puts just a splash of uh, what is called Mountain Dew. Nope, I'm going to veto that one. No, it's true. <laughs> it's real. It oh, is God, no. A, it's a... It's real. Uh, it's a drink called Patine or Pachine, and other names for it are Irish Moonshine and Mountain Dew. My uh, God. It's also called, I mean, Moonshine is also called Mountain Dew in like the Appalachian Mountains, which probably came from Irish yeah. Moonshine. So he just pours a little splash Mountain of that in his yeah. coffee, and he's going to go to a, uh, uh, like a, is there like a an attached uh, bathroom or like maybe like a wash basin or something? What he's going to do is he's going to mm-hmm. pull out uh, some like shaving supplies he's stored there and like uh, clean up his face a bit, uh, get rid of some stubble, wash his face, that sort of thing. <laughs> it's not a full shower, but yeah. He's showering at the gym. Uh, you absolutely can find <laughs> a wash basin in here. <laughs> there is some uh, cold water in there. You're able to use the reflection from a pan to be able to kind of see clearly enough to do some quick shaving. Nice. (laughs) Uh, Anything else from Julian or from uh, Sophie? Nothing from me. Um, Sophie might take a quick peek uh, at the spice rack in the kitchen. Mm -hmm. And um, borrow some 
spice or something to put in a cheese experiment later. Okay. Uh, they have all kinds of things up there. Um, most of them in small little ceramic jars. Some of them are unmarked. Uh, some of them are the common stuff that you would expect. Uh, although most spices are somewhat difficult to obtain at this time. Um, she will gently smell a couple of, like not, you know, mm -hmm. she's not going to snort it, but, um, <laughs> she'll smell a few of them and then do a line um, of paprika. Yeah. Do a line of paprika. <laughs> um, she, that makes me want to sneeze. Like just as I'm thinking about it, uh, she'll take one and then she'll scribble a little note on a piece of paper and set it in the spice rack. Uh, I'll be back with this and more cheese. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Kaylin turns to his, uh, comrades and says, uh, so what do you guys think it'll be this time? Or guys, that's probably not the colloquialism. Uh, what would it be? What, what do you folks think it'll be this time? Uh, my fellows, my friends, or something like Allies. that. Allies. Comrades. Compatriots. I feel like that's so, oh, compatriots maybe. Yeah, because I feel like comrades is a little too formal and like. Cause like I feel like we're friends. Get down, Sammy. I feel like we're friends. Like, right? I mean, that's up to you. Anyway, uh, what do y'all uh think it's going to be this time? Hmm. Let's see. He is being haunted. Uh, you know, it could it could always just be uh one of his his fellows playing a prank on him too. There was, you know, that one that we found that just had a dog following him. And the whole time he thought he was, you know, haunted or cursed or something because he kept hearing all the noises and it was just a dog. So, you know. I mean, it was a black dog, so that's understandable. True, true. So it was in his, in, you know, his favorite was hard to see at night, but uh, yeah. I think it's a striga. Is that a thing my character would know? Is that a thing I would know about? Uh, as somebody from Ireland, probably not. Uh, but I'm a member that... of the library, the premier metaphysical research and combat initiative in the Pacific Northwest. The premier Scandinavian supernatural initiative in the Pacific Northwest. Are there Scandinavian Strigas? No, there are not. Uh, Damn it. That's another module, Quinn, <laughs> that Brian also wrote. Damn it. <laughs> Uh, no, that's a different Kickstarter is what it is, right? <laughs> I think uh, it's a vampire. It's got to be a vampire one of these days. So anyways, Quinn, um, you are probably not familiar with Strigoi, but with evil spirits, that could be a lot of different things. <laughs> All right. Uh, the three of you kind of chat for a little while, talking about what type of Vasan it might be, what it could happen. Uh, but as I mentioned earlier, there's so little information right now, it could be a lot of things. Uh, so after a couple of minutes, you head down the hallway and head into Matthias's office. Opening up the door, there is a large central desk, uh, and Matthias is sitting on one side of it. On the other side is a young man in a heavy coat uh, who springs to his feet as soon as you walk into the room. Oh, uh, his, his, oh, yep, yeah, sorry. No, no, continue. Sorry, I got overexcited by an idea. <laughs> uh, his beard is a tangle. 
His hair is slicked back with a bit of pomade. Uh, and he eagerly kind of jumps forward to begin shaking hands. Uh, and introduces himself in a rapid tumble of words. Oh, hello, hello, hello. Uh, my name is Jon, Jon Bach. Uh, although everyone here in America calls me Jon. Uh, he sort of fidgets for a little bit, not quite sure what to do next as he looks around. Uh, and just kind of sits there for just long enough to make things awkward. Oh, no. So, so absolutely. Julian, as soon as, as, as Jan stands up, is, is immediately moving forward to him as well mm-hmm. uh, and, and shakes his hand enthusiastically. Ah, Jan, you, you say, well, welcome to our, welcome to our library. It's, it's wonderful to have you here. Um, my name is Julian. Uh, we're, we're happy to be finding out what you can, uh, what you can tell us here. Oh, of course, of course, of course, of course. Oh, uh, can we circle back? And before we enter, are we going to talk about our entrance? Do we have like a a cool entrance that we do? Like Charlie's Angels or something? Yeah, yeah. Like like two of us like slam open the doors and then the third like walks in like they're hot shit. Can I walk in and take a cloak off my shoulders and let it fall on the floor like Anakin and Obi-Wan at the Jedi Council meeting? No? Sorry. Uh, the sad part would be Jeremy would follow you around the library, constantly picking up your cloak and trying to put it on the coat rack. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. You have Go like ahead. 15 cloaks. You take one <laughs> off every time you enter a new room. That's a very specific character choice. Uh, as Jan is enthusiastically shaking hands with Julia and he's nodding and he's smiling. And then he's not quite sure what to do. Then he kind of looks around. Uh, so what has uh, Matthias mentioned? That you have some concerns about some things that have been happening. Can you uh, tell us uh, some more details about that? Oh, oh, sorry, sorry. Yes, yes. Uh, let me start at the beginning. As I mentioned, my name is Jan. Uh, and I recently arrived here in America from Sweden by way of Norway. I heard there were opportunities for Scandinavians here in Ballard as a fisherman, but it seems I am I maybe have made a mess of things. Captain uh, Jakob Norland took me on as a deckhand, but ever since I took up on his ship, things have been, well, they have been strange. The other sailors think I might be bad luck or have brought the ghost with me. I don't know what is happening, but I heard tell around the docks that if you run into something unusual, you should speak with the folks at the library. So here I am. And he gives you a wide grin and kind of looks back and forth between you all. Big smile from from Julian as he explains these things. So these uh, incidents of bad luck. Um... Oh, 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 oh. And, and of course, I can pay. Uh, He quickly fishes a little leather pouch out of his jacket pocket and happily, like, drops it onto the study's table. It opens, and very old gold coins come spilling out, each (laughs) about the size of a half dollar. The last of the fortune I had that took me to America. Yours if you can help me get this sorted. Just the, the the currency that he is is using here. Does this strike us as? I mean, 
Is this just, Su- is this weird? Super weird. Okay. Uh, um, so can Very I few people pay of... in gold doubloons. Yeah. Can I do like an investigation check to see if I recognize that type of coin? Mm-hmm. Like, if it's... Um, um, although, rather than know. investigation, make a learning test. Um, can I do it too? Because uh, Kaylin has a, a, a bit mm-hmm. of experience with coins. Sure. Uh, Kaylin gets zero successes on three dice. Uh, Sophie gets three on eight dice. Okay. Uh, now, Kaylin, do you want to potentially push this roll? Nah. Uh, for our audience, pushing a roll in Vasan and in all of the Year Zero games is where, after rolling, you can keep any successes and then re-roll any dice that didn't get successes. However, afterwards, you get a condition. Get too many conditions, and your character will wind up broken and may even wind up dying. Conditions also happen during things like combat. Um, I changed my mind. I think I do want to push it <clears throat> because I. Okay. Uh, now listen. <laughs> this is the beginning of the campaign, Quinn. I know, but I. So this is a character choice. I feel like my character would be trying very hard to recognize these coins, and I think he would become frightened, uh, by their sudden appearance. So I'm I willing it, to give that to you. I think it makes a lot of sense. Given backstory things that you all are not privy to yet. This guy is. <laughs> Still zero. <laughs> yep. But now you're scared of these. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Julian has learned to let his intellectual counterparts handle these types of matters. What I'm hearing is this is nerd business. Uh, so Julian rolls zero successes on zero dice. <laughs> Julian does not even need to roll. Uh, so Sophie, you're looking over these coins. Um, they are interesting. Uh, not only are gold stamped coins something that one does not see every day, uh, but they feel ancient. On one side are the faces of kings on the other mythical beasts but they are exceptionally worn away as if they've passed through so many hands that the finer details have all been slowly worn down on them now while there is an obvious value in literal gold coins uh the value these would have to a collector of antiquities or relics would probably be priceless and you suspect there may be even more going on with these coins, although you would need some time mm-hmm. to study them. Uh, Kalen crosses himself and takes a step back, uh, but he crosses himself like in the wrong order. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I will pat Kalen's hand and just say, uh, "It's all right, Shara. I will uh, explain to you later." How? And, um, Sorry, quick. Yeah, so quick question on this. So yeah, Julian doesn't know anything about these coins other than that gold coins. Mm-hmm. How does this? I mean, just visually, how much does this look like compared to the library's usual fees? Does this look like? Oh my God, he just dumped out. You know, way more than we would typically be. Oh yeah. Okay. Uh, so 
to say that the library has a sliding scale is probably the easiest way to put it. Okay. Um, they don't even necessarily charge to help people, but Jan seems enthusiastic to make sure that you are all paid. Maybe it's a trap. Um, Sophie will kind of sit at the table to get a closer look at the coins. And uh, she will, like, she's not, do just to preface this, she's not doing this in a studied way. Like, mm -hmm. she's not trying to, you know, get attention or be cute. But um, she will just sort of uh, look more closely at them. And she'll say, hmm, as we say in Norwegian, there are very musen. Matthias kind of cocks his head to the side a little bit. Hmm. But he lets it go. Sorry, what what was that? Did I miss a joke? Oh, uh, I'm just uh, something is something is strange. Uh, something is afoot. I think I think our new friend is correct, and there's something odd going on here. But we will need to. Oh, I'm slipping into an Irish accent. There I go. Nice to see you, Pharaoh. Yep. Yep. Thanks. Um, you, yeah. Anyway, uh, you missed on a perfect time to say the game is afoot. <laughs> <laughs> she hasn't gotten to the yeah, part of the book yet. You interrupted her on the walk. I know. I know. It's not. I'm not far enough into it. Uh, uh, just immediately turns to Kaylin and says, "She said there are wolves in the mouse." Uh, what? I don't know. Yeah, I a, thought it was a weird thing to a, say. It's a figure of speech. It's a. It's a figure of speech. It means there's something weird going on. I will start saying yeah. it as well. There are wolves in the mouse. Well, it doesn't have the same ring in English, does it now? Hmm. But there, you know, now that you mention it, why would there be wolves in a mouse? Typically, um, I believe it goes the other way around. Right, you would think, but... Maybe that's why it is about something weird, because a wolf in a mouse is a very strange thing, right? Like, that that sort of makes sense as a euphemism or something, right? Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, anyway, where did you get all this uh, money from? And yes, my friend, this is, this is, this is far too much. I believe in paying people who help me. It is the least I can do. You said That's... this was the last of your coin. Ah, I will be fine once I become a successful fisherman. Now, this was the last of the money that I happened to find while working back in Sweden. I was plowing my neighbor's field for him, getting some of the old dead stumps out of the field so he could do some planting. And when I finally pulled the stump up and out in the hollow, Underneath the roots of the tree, I found a big bag filled with big gold coins. So I said to myself, Jan, this is an opportunity given to you by God. So I headed out and booked passage on a steamship to America. Uh, Kalen is just like shaking his head. Jan looks just really excited about this. What is Matthias's uh reaction? Yeah. Uh, Matthias is just kind of watching it all. Uh, he's got his fingers steepled under his chin and is just kind of listening to all that's being shared. Did strange things start happening to you um, 
on the way here or was it uh, just recently now since you have been here? It has only been recently. Uh, on the steamship, everything was fine. Traveling by the railroads across the country, everything went good. But once I joined up with Captain Jakob Norland, things started to go a little bit uh, strange. Uh, hmm. I, I joined his crew aboard his ship, the Fiskasoker, about two weeks ago, and things have been happening. Ropes have gotten... Us... Yeah? Can you give us some examples? Oh, yeah. Ropes have gotten tangled that were previously fine. Knots have been coming undone. Uh, rips appearing in the sails overnight. Uh, the, uh, the other crew, they, they have said I am the bad luck. Uh, or maybe that ghost is chasing me. And just two nights ago, a sailor uh, named Harold was on the night watch. A boom fell down and broke his arm. Everybody remembered me tying the boom off. But I promise you, my hand to God, that boom was secure when I left for the day. Now, Captain Arland, he didn't blame me, but um, I've, uh, I've noticed the other crew are staring and also starting to provide me with the threats. <laughs> well, that was awfully kind of them to provide you with threats in case you, yeah. in case you needed some spares. I did not. <laughs> uh, the ship's first mate, Olaf Borsen, said that I am cursed and have brought an evil spirit onto the ship. I'm a little worried that if this keeps going, they may throw me off the crew or maybe even try to hurt me. So I asked around in town and in a couple of bars, the sailor said that you could talk to the folks at the library and that they would help you. And so here have, I am. Have you taken any extended breaks uh, since starting on the crew there? Uh, no, not within the first two weeks. Ah, only two weeks. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, could you take a bit of a break now? We could see if the weird things keep happening, and that would be maybe a start. Or he could continue working on the ship and let us know if anything else happens. Well, I was kind of hoping that you could all look into it. Yes, we will definitely look into it, no matter what you do. Right, Matthias? He nods. Um, would you, uh, are you hoping that we will give you some sort of protection, uh, physically, or do you just want us to investigate, uh, this, uh, these happenings? Well, I think whenever you put the stop to whatever's going on on the boat, that should take care of everything. Once things stop breaking and people stop getting hurt, then I should well, be able to just go back to being a fisherman. Perhaps maybe yeah. we can start by taking a look at the boat. It, it might be good if I pretend I don't know you, though. Uh, I'm not exactly with the populars right now. Uh, what, but but what they excuse? referred you to us. Yeah. Not, not the sailors on my boat. Uh, the sailors at oh, the various bars down by the docks. What other uh, excuse would we... Sorry. Uh, what other excuse would we have for checking out the boat? Uh, what, it is, uh, just a fishing vessel, or does it 
uh, do anything? Does it ever carry goods or passengers? Just fishing. Uh, perhaps we could say that we would like to hire um, my friends. Captain. My friends, you know where I work. These are fishermen. I'm sure we can introduce ourselves, and I can perhaps uh, in uh, mention our uh, my business. And I'm sure they've been out at sea for far too long. Jan kind of looks around. I thought you work here. I also work here. Ah, you work here and you work here. I got it. <laughs> do you have like a book of coupons or something? Like, what are you, what are you talking about? <laughs> I just figured they might be in the mood for, if they've been out, for, let's see, for a while, perhaps just enjoying a good time. Day. Oh, uh, I... Those tokens are not mine to give out. I would never speak for any of my colleagues. Well, I do. I'm just teaching boys. I'm sorry. Oh, I... I just... I mean, that's cool. I just... I thought you just played the music there. But okay. I mean, sure. I am primarily an entertainer. You are correct. Oh, okay. Jan looks enthusiastic, like, so you'll be able to help me? Absolutely. I think we can. I think we can figure something out. Um, Great. Absolutely. I had the good feeling about you all. I knew you'd be able to help take care of me. Uh, but do um continue being careful. Um, you know, uh, uh, if if you go, are you going to go back to work on the ship? That that was my plan. No. Okay. Just. We are going to do everything that we can, but please be careful uh, and um, watch yourself. Oh, uh, got it. <laughs> oh, one one other question: uh, Has yeah. have any other strange occurrences been happening outside of the boat? Have you noticed any strange figures or heard any strange noises, like at home, perhaps, or uh, you know? Anything else that just stands out? He really thinks about it. No, it always seems to happen on the boat. Okay. That is strange. All right. And with that, you have your first mission for the library. Uh, and that is where we'll call it for our first episode. What's okay. Oh, wow. Uh, what is it, this arc called? Is it the Yon Chronicles or the Yonicles? Uh, the Yonicles. Uh, so our the Yonicles. All right, I'm gonna stop the recording before because we're not gonna get better than the Yonicles. And that's a wrap for our first episode. The Vossen RPG is created by Free League Publishing, and if you made it this far, you probably are interested in role-playing games, so you have got to check this thing out. The art is all done by Swedish artist Johan Egerkrans, and it is absolutely stunning. As soon as you open the book, you're going to be pulled in, and you're going to want to start playing. Speaking of the Vossen RPG, the music throughout our episode was created as part of the original Vossen soundtrack by Andreas Lundström from the Sweden Rolls podcast. The music for our opening theme, and which is playing behind me right now, is Myths and Legends by Robert Bruckmeyer. You can find him on Bandcamp, Spotify, iTunes, and honestly, probably wherever you're listening to this podcast. Our editor is the phenomenal Hannah Cheney, who I'm starting to suspect may be a Vossip. 
given that she works absolute magic on each episode to make us sound this good. I'd also like to take a quick second to say thank you and give a shout out to the Lost Mountain Saga podcast by Ellie DiLorenzo and starring Anne Richmond and Sydney Emanuel. Y'all were a huge inspiration for me to finally get into podcasting and part of how I was introduced to Vossen. So if you like our show, make sure to give them a listen as well. Finally, thank you for listening. We've got an amazing season coming up with some really fun surprises in store. So here's just a little sneak preview of what's coming up on this season of Spirits and Monsters of Old Seattle. That's what I expected to see. No successes on six dice, but I'm going to push it. Yeah, I know you are. Got to find that rhythm. I get it. (laughs) We're going to get flagged as an explicit podcast, aren't we? That silence means yes. You hear him grunt between kind of clenched teeth. How dare you? I raised you better than this. What? What? Sophie, would you mind if I took your bed while you go and join him on the couch? Julian, <laughs> do not push your luck. Mm. Okay, we can share. <laughs> uh, the injuries in question are gruesome looking. Uh, we're talking about things like cracked open skulls. Oh. Uh, they're, they're alive, but they're a bloody mess. Uh, broken bones, grievous wounds. You know, I wanted to... She was taken from me when I was uh, quite young. Uh, I, I remember I was about 14. And, oh no, who um, took her? Well, one day I shall find that out, Kaylin, and then there will be hell to pay. But until then... Until this strange storm eventually passes. What the fuck? Suddenly, the mood changes. They look angry. Just pissed. Uh, That guy who was at the table gets up and just flings the chair that he was standing at. Shit. And suddenly, the three of them come staggering towards you. One of them grabs one of their beer steins in hand, and the others just have balled up fists. Looks like they're planning to attack. I want to know what <laughs> what we find out with three successes. Brian made it sound so juicy. It is. Just He's a drug dealer. Super just juicy. trying to bait you in. He's a drug dealer. That's why he made it sound juicy. You good to stay at two? I storm up uh, to her. I put my hands very firmly on the table. I'm glowering over her. Was it you? Rose, Cotton, was it you? just roll to figure it out no that's that's absolutely not how the game works no but he looks at you and his eyes look almost feral I, I need to stop i needed to stop the song i you don't understand i can't stop hearing it she's calling me back into the water do you want to walk through the darkened streets to get there at this point oh, it's that's probably point. about 10 10.30 p.m. in a time without street lamps. So it uh, is but, quite dark. But we have the hurricane lamp. So a little sphere of light in a sea of <laughs> darkness. 